You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and you're about to hear some skincare secrets from a superstar esthetician. You're also going to hear me learn how to pronounce esthetician, which I proudly just nailed. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. This episode is sponsored by my BFF's Amazing Grass, who just became even more amazing by launching some new, awesome, I mean, amazing stuff. Elixirs. Elixirs is kind of a hot word being thrown around the healthy product marketing town. So if you're wondering, the true definition of an elixir is a magical or medicinal potion. So Amazing Grass is three new organic medicinal potions, which come in packets or tubs as per their usual, are crafted to support your beauty, your brain, and your belly. No, not all at once. I'm a personally humongo fan of their brain potion, I mean elixir, which has my beloved matcha in it, plus my also beloved maca, among a bunch of other carefully chosen ingredients which work together to keep your focus in check. Ah, but I'm also a humongo fan of their belly elixir, which I've been especially going to town on since it has probiotics in it and I've weirdly misplaced my probiotics in my home. To take Amazing Grass to the next level of amazingness, they're offering Party in My Plants podcast listeners 40% off. Yes, 40%, not some measly 10%, 40% off your Amazing Grass orders if you go to their website, amazinggrass.com, and use coupon code PLANTPARTY40 at checkout. That's PLANTPARTY40 at checkout on amazinggrass.com. And all that info is also linked in the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 42. Today's guest comes from one of my favorite non-food spots in New York City. Heyday, an amazing facial shop. I popped my facial cherry at Heyday and have been getting facials there for well over a year. And not to be dramatic, but it's been transformative. I had no idea how much I'd enjoy being scrubbed and polished and getting the crap literally squeezed out of my pores. And I never could have predicted how much I'd learn about taking care of my skin. If you've never been to Heyday here in New York City or gotten a facial in general, you gotta wash that fact away ASAP. Until then, though, enjoy this surprisingly delightful conversation with Jenny Sykes, the incredibly well-spoken co-founder and head of skincare at Heyday, and definitely get ready for some of the most tangible info that's ever popped out of an episode. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the Party in My Plants podcast. Thank you for having me. It is so exciting to talk to you today because I'm kind of like a facial newbie. I mean, like about two years ago, I first started getting facials. But before that, I honestly just thought 
and and don't make fun of me, but that facials were just a face massage. <laughs> like I thought they were just lotion, rubbing on your face and done. So when I walked in for my first facial, I had no idea that I was going to get the crap squeezed out of my face <laughs> and leave like looking like a new person. So my first question for you is, do you find that other people don't really know what goes on into a facial or am, am I alone in that massage thought process I had? <laughs> I was going to say, I think you're, I think you're certainly not alone um, for people who've never experienced a facial and who've never experienced really quality professional skincare. Um, I think there, there's a fairly common misconception that perhaps it's just somebody sort of massaging a series of creams onto your face. I, yeah. I have heard that before. Okay, um, phew. <laughs> <laughs> but as you have discovered as, um, as a, a more recent facial convert, there's quite a lot more that goes into it. And I would ask you, do you you feel like you have learned uh, a lot about your skin since you started receiving facials? Yes. I mean, before I got facials, I didn't know what to do with my skin. I mean, you read stuff. It's weird because I've learned, you know, through getting facials and I had the amazing Adina Grigori of SW Basics on the show and just talking to people, you know, you, your skin is like your body in the same way that like we learn about healthy eating. I feel like we have to learn about healthy skincare and it's, you know, we're bombarded with so much information and just like eating, you kind of have to filter through it. So I was just kind of like going with some stuff I would read in magazines or my mom taught me where I just like assumed was the right thing to do and really was in hindsight, taking not great care of my face at all. (laughs) Well, when I was in school for skin, it was presented to our class the idea that, you know, as children, we're taught how to comb our hair, we're taught how to brush our teeth, but who teaches you how to take care of your skin? Um, Seriously. And and how to take care of your skin, not as an element of vanity or beauty, but as one of your kind of daily pieces of hygiene and caring, like you say, for your body. Um, because mm. it's a, it's your body's largest organ. It is attached to everything and it actually talks to you about what's going on in your, your whole body. So learning how to take care of your skin um, can be really, really empowering and it can be something that starts to teach you about yourself in a bigger way too. It's amazing. And it's it's really exciting. And I mean, it's it's fascinating how your skin is really an outer reflection of what's going on inside your body, right? Very true. Yes. Yeah. So in a facial, are there certain steps or, you know, aspects that are always included? Yeah. So I think facial facial treatments can look uh, can look a lot of ways, but generally Generally speaking, consistently you're going to find uh, a thorough cleanse and a skin analysis. That's usually the starting place. We want nice, clean skin, and we want to be taking a look at it very closely to understand um, what's going on. And skin analysis is kind of one of the coolest parts of a professional facial. I think a, a lot of people will fixate on the idea of extractions, or as you say, like squeezing the face, which hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> that's not truly what uh, what any esthetician you've ever seen is, is doing. Um, That's but, what it feels like. It feels like they're just yeah, squeezing right? crap out of my pores. <laughs> well, are, we, let's say they're, they are evacuating anybody who needs to go, anybody who's not paying rent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that said, you know, skin analysis is where it starts. And skin analysis is 
we, at Heyday, at least, we're using, we go pretty in depth. We use a couple of lamps. So there's like a brighter magnifying lamp that lets us get a very, very close uh, look, look at what's going on the surface of your skin. Um, we're also working with what's called a woods lamp, which actually allows us to see um, some of what's happening down below the surface of the skin. So wow. it's a really cool little machine. It like lights up in different fluorescent colors where you have actual like deep oil production or where you're deeply dry or dehydrated. We can see sun damage. Wow. And we take those things that we're able to observe with our eyes, but what's also really great um, when you're when you're working with a, a professional skin therapist, our hands are also trained to understand some things about the state what? of health and balance of your skin. Um, so people don't realize, but there's a feeling to skin that is healthy, to skin that is properly hydrated. Now I'm feeling my skin. I'm just like feeling my face right now. <laughs> Feels pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And there's a there's a feeling to skin that's maybe a little bit out of balance. There's a feeling to skin that's been over exfoliated um, or skin mm -hmm. that isn't getting, you know, perhaps cleansed or exfoliated at all that often. Um, skin that's seen a whole lot of sun and has not been using an SPF. It, it does have a specific texture. So wow. it's very cool crossroads in a skin analysis of, um, you know, what we can see with our with our eyes and with our tools of the understanding that we get from you as a client about your daily habits. So, do you exercise? How's your water intake? Um, are you under a lot of stress in life? These actually all affect your skin and what we end up seeing. And then also the the element of the craft of it, um, which is very, very finely tuned, honed hands that have learned um, to take all of those pieces of information and be kind of the last piece of really integrating it and starting to help you put together the pieces of the puzzle of what needs to happen next to get your skin to where you look in the mirror and you see what you'd most like to see, um, as opposed to something that you're like frustrated about or confused about. That's incredible. I had no idea that so much went into the analysis and and just the incredible talents of an esthetician. How do we say esthetician? I can't even say the word esthetician. 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 And just to make it a little bit easier, because you are far from the first person to have trouble with that word, um, we at Heyday, we're calling, uh, we, we are skin therapists. Ooh, okay. That's so much easier because I just, it comes out with a lisp, esthetician. I'm like looking at the word. And I'm like, oh, okay. So thank you. So, but to um, become a skin therapist, I mean, like what kind of schooling do you need? Because it sounds very complex and advanced. Skin therapy is something that, well, aesthetics is a licensure for New York State. So it's a state licensed. And you do have to go through a program that if you are um, committed to it full time, it can be you know, around six months or so. Um, mm -hmm. But most take, it takes like a year if you're not doing it, um, if you're not doing it full time. And a lot of people do both options. Um, a lot of estheticians actually have, uh, you know, decided that they wanted a change of career. Um, we have a ton of people, even at Heyday, who have previous professions, you know, in law. In, uh, Most you know, people I speak to working there. Working in the stock market. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people have had fascinating, fulfilling, wonderful careers. Um, and they discovered that skincare is actually a career. That's so funny. Beyond that, it's really interesting because it's still a profession that um, 
there is because there's a craft to it because there's that element of um of really learning to work with one's hands and so much information to learn about ingredients and the skin itself over time uh, we still see apprenticeship in this field and we still see a lot of uh, mentoring and work that goes on after your after your state licensure um, for to really become a master esthetician. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you really have to touch a lot of faces to get a feel for what certain conditions feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I got my first facial because my seriously, my boyfriend and I were going to go to a black tie wedding and he kindly, kindly not suggested that I get a facial because my nasal area was awfully porous. And I was so mad at him because... Did he use those words? He was just like, your pores are really big. I don't know. He didn't... He's Yeah. It was like, your pores are really big on your nose, around your nose. It's all... It's like, you got to get a... I got to get a facial. (laughs) And I was like, so offended because I had never noticed this or thought about it before. But funny now, I look back on photos and I'm like, holy hell, how did I not notice that before? (laughs) So my question is... You know, aside from someone suggesting that you get a facial, which probably isn't something kind that somebody should do, but whatever, um, are there some telltale signs that we can look for to suggest that we might benefit from a facial? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think uh, there are telltale signs in terms of things you might you might notice going on on your own skin. So if you if you're noticing that you have if your pores are looking larger, you're feeling like you have a buildup of blackheads, maybe that you didn't notice before. Um, that's certainly a reason that a lot of people will will end up seeking seeking help from skincare from a facial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also if you have skin that is just producing lots and lots of oil, you can't quite figure it out, you can't get a handle on it. Um, Skin that is perhaps cranky or itchy or redness, those are sometimes Mm. cues. Um, You know, it's it's anytime you feel like your skin is a little bit out of balance or it's doing something new or that you don't understand, those are all great entry points to go talk to a professional skin therapist and get a sense of what's going on or what might be going on and how you could how you can make a difference. Um, right. But that said, even if you don't actually notice that there's anything particularly wrong with your skin, and perhaps there isn't anything particularly wrong with your skin and, and you're very happy with it, um, it, it's still, if you don't have a consistent routine, if you've not for yourself actually thought through how you're taking care of your skin, if you've never checked in on whether you're picking up the products that are actually best suited to you, because not every not every routine is actually the right fit for every person. Um, right. It's very, very smart. Um, I, I would encourage, you know, at, to at least go in, see a professional skin therapist and kind of get a gauge of, of where your skin health is really at. And even if it's a very, very simple routine that would work for you, having that understanding of what, um, what you should be doing to take care of your skin in and of itself is a reason to go get a facial. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I feel like seeing a facialist is, or a skin, a skin therapist, esthetician (laughs) is, is kind of like seeing a tutor or a personal trainer for your face. Because like we were saying, who teaches us to take care of our skin? And I mean, I didn't have any serious skin issues other than this nasal porridge thing, but, um, I now have so much knowledge of what I should be doing, such as take your damn makeup off before you go to bed. 
you know, but that, like that's simple not things like that to, to everyone. I know I was like it's natural makeup like who cares like it's not getting on my pillow like what whatever yeah and I realized that was a huge no-no yeah it's very it's very interesting but um a lot of things that people who have never had facials before some of the things that that most commonly are learned um just learning how to wash your face properly when to do it um, what kind of cleanser to use. Like those are really essential kind of things for how your skin is going to look and, and beginning of, uh, of aging, understanding SPF and why it's important in the first place um, as something that you should be working with every single day, giving to yourself, giving to your skin every day. Um, and even things like moisturizing, like should you moisturize every day? The answer is actually yes. Um, and, and a lot of people will avoid moisturizing because they're afraid of being oily or they don't like the feel of it, but they just Mm -hmm. haven't found the right kind of product to give their skin the hydration that it needs. Wow. Okay. Well, let's address some of those other things. So moisturize every day, no matter what. And if you feel that you, you're like, oh, my skin's oily, you probably just haven't found your soulmate moisturizer, A. B, the SPF stuff. Let's talk about that for a hot second because we're getting into the summer and, you know, the sunny season here in New York, at least. I mean, I'm, I know on the West Coast, it's always sunny season. But, you know, what should we be thinking when we're choosing an SPF? Is it true that the number with the SPF is the amount of minutes that the sunscreen is protecting you? No, no. Um, so, oh, that's no. what I heard. Like SPF 50 <laughs> means it's only protecting you for 50 minutes. No, um, there's no kind of direct <laughs> correlation there. But but it what I busted. what I can, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can tell you, um, you'll you'll find uh, FDA regulations changed not not too long ago, a few years ago, and increasingly you'll find um, that you will you won't be able to find on the shelves things that are SPF significantly above 50. Um, that is really kind of going to be the cap in terms of efficacy from your sun protection ingredients. Uh, once you get into like an SPF 80 and SPF 100, it's a higher concentration of those of those sun protective ingredients or chemicals, but it's not necessarily actually offering any additional benefit. So that's one okay. thing to know about. Good to uh, know. And um, in terms of SPF every day and why it's important, what what to look for. Um, yeah. Where I would start would say you want to make sure that you have, you want to look for broad spectrum sunscreen. And it would be on the bottle. Um, it would be on the bottle. Uh, it'll be on the label for what you're selecting. And broad spectrum basically means that it's protecting your skin from both UVB and UVA rays. And can I talk to you for a second about these rays? Because it's kind of cool. Please do. Because clearly I don't know anything about SPF. Okay. So the whole idea <laughs> of SPF, the, the reason we're using it in the first place, is to help protect our skin um, from the damaging effects of the sun's rays. And a lot of times what we think of when we think of the sun damaging our skin, we think about a sunburn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that immediate, easy to see, high sensation and kind of damage. Right. And that's the, the type of damage that comes from UVB rays. We call those the burning rays. And they're, they're short nice. wavelength and they're pretty intense. Um, but we oftentimes, so that's why people have no problem slathering up with their SPF when they go to the beach because they want to avoid it. Right. But what we don't think of so often or 
um, always, is that there's another type of, of uh, rays coming off of the sun, UVA rays, um, that are also constantly out. Um, they are out on cloudy days. Literally, anytime the sun is up, out on cloudy days, they move through your, your office windows, your car windows, all of that good stuff. And these are the aging rays. And UVA rays are different than UVB rays in that they're kind of a longer wavelength. And that longer wavelength, you can think of it as something that can reach deep down into your skin. And they reach deep down into your skin mm -hmm. and they do cellular damage there, DNA damage, the kind that um, you know leads to this, the scarier end of, of the reasons we wear sun protection, which is um, to protect from the type of damage that ultimately becomes skin cancer. Um, and you know, even stepping back from that most scary outcome, mm -hmm. when it comes to the way that you age, um, if you're concerned about aging, gracefully aging well, if you're concerned about even skin tone, pigmentation or dark spots, um, it all starts with UVA rays. And so wow. it's very, very important to realize that one of the most uh, effective things that you can do to have even toned skin that ages as slowly as possible um, and stays as healthy as possible is simply to put on a broad spectrum SPF every single day, work it into your daily routine as your daytime moisturizer. Wow, my mind is blown here. And I'm also appreciative that the A and the B are so easy to remember because <laughs> B for burn and A for aging. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. So there you go. <laughs> no, that's that's so helpful. That's so clear. I think that everybody listening's mind is blowing because you just simplified what we've heard. So many, we've heard little bits and pieces, but for me at least, it's never really clicked. And that's 100% just clicked. And now I see the importance of it. And that's really fascinating to hear that the UVA rays can, can get us through our car or our office windows or on cloudy days. I mean, you're right. We always think, oh, it's sunny. I'll put on sunscreen. I mean, that's what I think. Um, but yeah. I guess they can get us every day. Well, they're just not associated. They don't, light and heat are not a part of that particular wavelength. Fascinating. But it okay. doesn't mean that they're not out doing their thing. Right. All right. Well, that's so good to know. So, I mean, I guess the the best of both worlds, would you say, is a moisturizer that has SPF in it? Certainly, if that's um, if that's what floats your boat. But the good <laughs> news is, the more that um, the more that you know, we as a culture are understanding SPF and its importance, um, and understanding that this really is a you know, three hundred and sixty five days a year, um, something to help protect people's health. Um, there are so many more SPF options that are coming out onto the market. Yeah. So you have moisturizers with SPF built in. Um, we have some really fun format products like a really featherweight um, serum texture mm. product. And you could layer that as you wanted to. It doesn't necessarily have to be like heavy like a lotion. Um, there are sprays, like little mm -hmm. little spritzers. You almost like mist the SPF for your protection. So there are a lot of ways to wear SPF. What's important is that you find one that you like and you start doing it, bring that into like your everyday routine. Um, and it's something you should feel awesome about because you're doing such a good thing for yourself. Totally. I mean, it feels kind of empowering now that when I put like to think I'm putting it on and I'm doing something you know, secretly to, you know, help my skin and help my health. So I like that. And also, 
I have a question around that. If I put on like the serum, but then maybe I put moisturizer on top or makeup on, does it have to be on the outermost layer of my skin or does it just have to be on my skin to work, the SPF? A great SPF is designed to be just on your skin to work. So like the serum I was referencing, you can you can absolutely apply makeup over top of that. <laughs> I use... I, I, if I'm going to put anything over my um, SPF, it's same as I would right over my moisturizer in the morning. Okay. I apologize if that's one of the stupider questions you've ever heard, but it made sense to me in my mind. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. No, it's, it's, it's valid. It's like, does it form then a barrier that if yes. I go rubbing something else on top of that, do I destroy my work? Right. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> no, you do not. Your work is safe as long as you get that SPF onto your skin. <laughs> Good to know. So in, in, in summer, you know, we, what are some other common skin issues that you see people come into heyday with? Um, so summertime, common skin issues. We see a lot of clients, of course, in the summer who are concerned about an increase in blackheads or feeling like um, they're really starting to see an oily shine throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's always very important and oftentimes surprising for clients is how much both of those things are, are linked to dehydration. That is crazy. And that is very confusing. <laughs> it is very confusing, um, perhaps at first. But in order to be happy and healthy, your skin needs actually two types of moisture. It needs water moisture and it needs oil moisture. Now. Oil-based moisture, our skin actually makes oil, right? So, and depending on your skin type, it might make more or less of it naturally. Um, but the water-based moisture is something that it does not make. It, it absolutely needs it, but it doesn't make it. We're constantly replenishing that through the foods we eat, through drinking water, through applying perhaps moisturizers or light hydrating serums. Um, and that's something that has to constantly be, be replenished. Now, what happens when your skin starts to become actually really depleted of the water-based moisture that it needs. So lack of water equals dehydration. Mm -hmm. When that starts to really become depleted, your skin is very smart and your skin actually wants to take care of itself and take care of you. So it actually goes into overdrive trying to heal and protect itself by making more of the only kind of moisture that it knows how to make, which is the oil. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, I'm just letting that sink in. That makes them does make so, you. You need to write like a cartoon dummies book for skin because you make these things sound so logical. The way you explain it, you really have a gift for it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that makes so I, um, much sense. Yeah. So I mean. Ba- Basically, your skin, when you're lacking in water, your skin is going to overproduce oil because it's trying to heal and protect itself. It's trying to stay healthy and strong. So when you have an oily face, it kind of is a sign maybe that you're dehydrated? Could be. I mean, you could just make a lot of oil. There are people who do make a ton, ton, ton of oil, and that's okay. Um, But more often than not, we have clients who have been going to great lengths to try to remove oil, to try to, you know, take away the shine or dry out their skin. And it only gets worse and worse over the years because they don't realize that what's actually happening is that their skin is crying out for some hydration. Oh man. So what do we do if we have oily skin in the summer? I guess just chug more water. What if it doesn't fix it? 
Um, definitely chugging more water is a great place to start. <laughs> um, you also want to, you don't want to ditch moisturizer in the summer. Um, and it doesn't have to be a heavy cream. It doesn't have to be a thick lotion. For some skin, depending on, on again, how much, how well hydrated you stay on your own, and other factors that take away your hydration, like do you drink a ton of caffeine or things like this, depending on where you're starting out, um, there are some really lightweight options. For some for some clients, um, there are hydrating mists that work basically like, like a, the lightest possible moisturizer. Mm-hmm. There are serums that are really, really lightweight. They feel like nothing on the skin, but they're going to give you the hydration that you need. Mm. Um, so I would say that is one, one thing, understanding that there are very lightweight, feels great to wear kind of ways to add water moisture and help your skin hold on to water moisture. And the other thing that's a really big thing is making sure that you're not over cleansing your skin mm. um, or using too harsh or aggressive of a cleanser because that will actually stimulate your skin to produce, once again, lots and lots of oil to try to heal itself. A really easy way um, when you wash your skin, let's say you wash your face and then like make some fun faces in the mirror. <laughs> and if, if, uh, if you feel when you're making your face, if you feel like, like your skin is really tight uh-huh. or itchy or you feel like it's dry, your cleanser might be too aggressive for everyday use. Mm, I like that. I'm making funny faces right now and my face doesn't feel tight. FYI. <laughs> I, it sounds like you've got a good routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I go to heyday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And I also read, speaking of like funny faces and and funny things like that, that I read on your Instagram, which isn't, you guys have an amazing Instagram account, by the way. Um, It's really fun and educational and inspiring, which is funny to say about an Instagram account. But (laughs) I did learn through your Instagram account that when you're exfoliating, you should be rubbing at like the same way that you'd rub a blown up balloon. Yes. That's a hoot. That's kind so of imagine, imagine if you had a balloon blown up and you were, you were polishing that balloon that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't burst it. Yeah. And when you think of that, like what would change about the way you would potentially touch your own skin with a polish with that visualization? I'm curious to know. I would do smaller strokes, smaller circles. And would you maybe <laughs> go a little bit lighter? Oh yeah, of course. Lighter lighter and more gentle. Which is exactly how you should work with a polish or a scrub if you need to. I think uh, a lot of times we get very excited when we have a scrub because it like feels good, right? Nobody's going to deny that it feels yeah. good to use a polish or a scrub. But uh, oftentimes it's easy to go overboard and to really want to just dig in and press in. That doesn't help it to work better. It, and oftentimes it actually um, causes irritation, can cause what we call micro tears in the skin, depending on what kind of polish you're using, um, and can really aggravate if you have concerns about redness, about breakouts, um, acne conditions. You can really actually aggravate those things by pressing very hard and using a very rough scrub. So light pressure, those little tiny circles, like you say, um, that's how you actually are going to get the most out of the polish. All right. It doesn't work better when you press harder. <laughs> I, I know. All <laughs> this is kind of not intuitive. You know, the fact that we think that our face, we have, you know, that our face makes oil when we're dehydrated, you know, like that's not intuitive. I mean, it makes sense now that you explain it, but you'd also think, yeah, the harder I press, the better results I'm going to get with the exfoliation. But I guess yeah. that's not true. You know, one way you can think about it 
if you're if you're using a scrub, um, so scrub if that's like a, a manual or a physical exfoliation, and I likened it to actually sandpaper, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were like sanding, if you had like a very heavy grit sandpaper mm-hmm. and you're sanding, you could think about or like for people who like do their nails. Maybe, yeah, I was just like, going thinking, through the buffer block. That's right? what I was thinking when you're like sanding. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm, do- I'm filing my right. nails. <laughs> like you're like on the coarsest side of like your little cute little nail thing or whatever. And <laughs> you think about that and you can see like the scratches and the ridges that that would, would leave, right? Right. You have to go um, gentle. When you go gentle, it's a little easier. And if you have an even gentler, maybe a finer grit as you start to move to the smoother panels of your of your board, let's say, um, then that lighter pressure, the finer grit, you're actually getting a much smoother result. And if what you want is like baby's butt smooth, then <laughs> using something that is also a little smoother in texture, a little bit more refined in texture and using a lighter pressure is how you're going to get it. Wow. Really? You should consider writing a book because you explain or like doing a podcast because you have such a great voice, but something you just break down these concepts and it's really helpful. Oh, thank you. I I love talking about skin because I feel like there are so many fun little stories or like vignettes uh, (laughs) embedded in skincare. Totally. Well, we're just going to keep going with this like myth busting notion right now because I feel like you're telling us so much stuff that we should know but don't know. So my next question is, what happens if we do get too much sun in the summer? Like with the UVB rays we burn, is aloe what we should put on our face? Yes. Um, So I'm actually just remembering a previous question that you asked me. Um, which was what are common summer concerns? And this yes. links back to it. Um, you know, having seen sun and got, getting too much sun is a common summer concern. And right. uh, also, we see a remarkable number of clients um, so far in the summertime who have skin that is burned and they do not realize that they have a burn. Huh. Uh, so that's something worth noting. Um, and, and it's something worth noting in terms of just understanding that, like, your skin starts to get damaged and is it a place where a professional can understand that you're walking around with a burn maybe before you get to a place where you feel like it's very red or peely or stinging or burning oh that's great Uh, so that's another reason (laughs) to wear your spf yeah and maybe get a facial every once in a while (laughs) yes um and it's i mean it's where it's where your spf is is ultimately the message there um and and not reapply please 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 reapply how often um every couple of hours honestly if you're going to be in a very sunny scenario or if you take a dip you know in the ocean if you hop in the pool um after you've been in the water go ahead and reapply as well okay but that's where fun fun things like little mists that you can reset your spf come in handy it doesn't even have to be a production you don't even have to touch your skin if you have the right tool nice i like it the mists Maybe yeah. maybe you can sell, send me some suggested mist that I can link in the show notes for people that are excited about this idea because I sure am. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Helpful. I will. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So then um, reapplication is where it's at. But reapplication. That said, when you do get a burn, aloe, you know, old school, real deal aloe is um, certainly a go to. Um, but you, you don't want like the bottle that is, that's like, bright green or like a color blue that you also saw last (laughs) night in somebody's cocktail like you don't want that okay good to know (laughs) no surprise Um, you really you really want um kind of as pure straight aloe as you as you can 
and the key thing once your skin has experienced a sunburn is hydrating it and soothing it. Mm. Um, so really gentle. There's some really gentle, even lotions or creams. Um, you know, you want to look for something that does not have acids, does not have a lot of actives. It should be like for just soothing and calming. Um, and ingredients that help to do that are going to be things like chamomile, calendula, um, you know, anything, there are some naturally occurring blue things, um, <laughs> like blue tansy or blue yarrow. Um, and those are a good, a good form of blue. It's called azuline. Um, hmm is the component that's in them that makes them naturally blue and huh. they're very very soothing and healing so you might find some of those blue named herbs uh, in different products that are designed actually to heal and calm the skin huh. um, okay but hydration king after the sunburn and when you do put on the hydration that your skin needs it might sting oh um, it might sting for a second in the same way that the aloe might sting for a second yeah the aloe definitely but stings on a burn yeah, but you want that hydration. All right. And then once you get to a place where it's actually starting to peel, right? It's not hurting. It's just flaking. Um, those are times then that you can use very gentle enzymes to exfoliate um, away that dead skin and oh. kind of smooth out the texture of the skin again. Okay. So, but like you're rubbing a balloon. <laughs> well, like you're rubbing a balloon, but an <laughs> enzyme... Um, it's not a scrub at all. Oftentimes they're very soft. They can be um, jelly or creamy and you oh. almost put them on like a mask. And enzymes are so cool. They basically, um, the, the analogy I use for enzymes, they work like Pac-Man <laughs> on the surface of your skin and they help to digest. Of course you have an analogy like that. Of course. <laughs> you envision, you tell us that a Pac-Man is eating up the dead skin on our face and that's how you describe enzymes. Of course. <laughs> But that's really cool and really important. Yeah. In, in terms of enzymes being really valuable because they're not gonna they're not gonna harass your skin that's per perfectly fine, it's healthy, it's alive. They only mm -hmm. go after the dead skin. Ah. Um, so you really have a nice even finish and it's and it's very difficult to hurt yourself or to hurt your skin or to overdo it. Um, you're just going to get a nice thorough even weeping away of of what's ready to go there on the top layer of your skin. Wow. All right. That's really cool. I love that analogy. So enzymes can be good when we're peeling um, in the summer. And just in general, for I, I believe when I get facials, they'll do an enzyme mask and they'll tell me it's going to brighten my skin. So in general, they can be good too, right? Yeah, they have all sorts of, depending on, the, they'll often, they come from a lot of different fruits. So like Pineapple, papaya, cherry, passion fruit um, are some common ones. Pumpkin mm -hmm. as well. And each of the different, depending on where they come from, they have different benefits. So um, some are super brightening. Some have, um, but for the most part, enzymes are always going to brighten. Um, you know, things like pineapple can help if you have a little bit oilier skin, if you're a little breakout prone. Pumpkin is great if you struggle with breakouts or acne um, or if you have concerns about aging skin. So different enzymes can then even, you can even go down another level to specifically target your concerns. And that is what happens at facial. Gotcha. Yeah, it's because you get them specifically targeted <laughs> to your concerns, the facials. 
Yeah. So you're bringing up all these like yummy things that you're talking about. And, you know, when I do come into heyday, I mean, every single one of the things that's used on my face smells better than the next. And it's honestly one of the best parts of the facial (laughs) for me because I, I love smelling. It's one of my um, that's a weird thing to say, but I do. I have a strong sense of smell and all. I love plants, clearly. And so you have plant-based properties in almost, if not all, of the products that you put on my face. So I'm wondering if it's really legit, you know, to put in papaya or cherries or coconut water when, like, it just seems somewhat like it's just a trendy thing to do to sell more products. Or, I mean, is there actually validity to it or are we better off just eating the papaya? <laughs> no. So, so well, first of all, let's, let's be clear on, you know, if you have papaya in a skincare product, uh, papaya enzymes, it's a highly unlikely that it's just like some mashed up papaya that was thrown <laughs> into this tube, right? Um, it's usually, That's what I envision. Uh, it's usually pepping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we, see it on a label, um, you know, it'd be like papain. It'll go by its scientific name. And it's um and it's oftentimes something that's coming out of a very, very um rigorously handled like lab environment, even if it is a a natural ingredient, um, making and proper for application on human skin. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't actually make yourself a homemade papaya mask that would, would work beautifully. Um, but it's not really an area of trendiness to put to use plants and herbs and all of the amazing things that are available to us and have been available to humans for you know centuries across many cultures. Um, if anything, it's um, it's going very very old school mm-hmm. to not forget about and to be able to reach back to the things that are incredibly effective that we can find in nature Mm -hmm. uh, that interact with our skin and our body in potent, valuable ways. So, um, you know, certain herbs, certain fruits, they are, they have vitamins, they have nutrients able to make use of, um, and they do certain things. So like papaya itself is, um, or the, the enzymes that are in papaya, right? That's what's doing the Pac-Man thing. And it's, it's (laughs) part of the nature of that enzyme. So it's, um, even though it's delightful as a sensory experience, mm-hmm. it's actually extremely practical. Wow. Um, and it goes down, you know, we like to make magic for you, but we think science. Mm. A natural ingredient that you'll find um, now in a lot more products, um, willow bark, is a natural source of salicylic acid. And if you look into it, you'll find that a lot of um, what we've developed more recently, like pharmaceutical drugs, things like this, Tylenol, aspirin, actually in specific, mm-hmm. um, are are the process of science taking those herbs that we knew how to benefit and trying to even enhance and, and distill it out further. Yes. Um, so if you learn like aspirin starts with willow bark, um, they're very different in the end, but they're yeah. also one of the same. That's wild to me. Yeah, I've heard that before. I think that's incredible. I mean, it's weird. I I think in Adina Grigori's book, um, she writes that they don't like credit willow bark for that because you can't patent willow bark. So they're not, people aren't using, yeah, they're not using the plants, not giving the plants the credit because you can't patent (laughs) the plants. They want to sell aspirin. So they're going to come up with their own, you know, version of it, I guess. Yeah. It's so it's, fascinating. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's and it's interesting when you start to learn just how much of our modern medicine and our modern 
and skincare was inspired by natural things that that have been around for a very long time. And I think one of the things that we try to do at Heyday is, um, you know, we we love science. We love all of the fabulous technology that that been blessed over the last like 20, 25 years, even in the skincare industry. Um, but we also are not forgetting the efficacy and the really the validity of um, of our heritage, right? And some of that is plant extracts and botanicals and fruit extracts. And it's um, when you can work with both of those things together, you can have a really awesome result that also is just an amazing sensory experience for you too. Yeah. You are, correct me if I'm wrong, in charge of purchasing the skincare products that you carry in Heyday? Yeah, so I did um, my one of my one of the aspects of my role has been our curation. So yeah. um, the curation in terms of the design of the facials themselves, um, and kind of how we work with products throughout a facial, what that what that experience that sequence looks like, as well as the products that we have on our retail shelves and the products that we have in the back bar. Wow, cool! That must be very fun. Like it is fun, but there's like another word. It's it's um it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um and, and incredibly um incredibly exciting. And it's and it's an interesting thing to kind of to curate. The curation at Haiti is almost like a big puzzle. So we set out to, you know, gather a collection of of awesome products um that are very truly habit worthy because we're all about building healthy routines and actually Really mm. learning to look after yourself. So you have to have great results and you have to be able to enjoy the product that you're using along the way, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and we also wanted within that to um, really respect the fact that this isn't about beauty. This isn't about pampering. It's not just like a fluff thing. It's not just a surface level thing. We, we also recognize that your, your skin as an organ, it interacts with your whole body. And one of its jobs as an organ is to absorb, actually. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you put onto your skin, it absorbs into your body. And, and some of the things that absorbs are moving through your bloodstream and they're processing through, you know, all, all sorts of, of systems. So understanding that, it's also very important, I think, for us to have products that um, are cleaner formulations. Yes. We, we by no means are we strictly natural, strictly organic. If we went that route, we, we wouldn't be able to play with awesome things like, um, let's say, lactic acid or mm-hmm. vitamin C or peptides in the way that we can. Um, and a lot of those things produce results. But um, what we care about is that kind of top to bottom, um, you know, you're getting clean products where every, um, we're not just concerned about the active ingredients. We're concerned about, you know, what is the whole thing that you're slathering onto your skin, onto your face, onto your body. Um, And in terms of in its entirety, what's inside of that bottle, um, really avoiding common skin irritants and, um, you know, things that are just known and proven to have adverse health effects, which surprisingly you find a lot of it in products um, that are available to us still. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little about those? Because I mean, like what are some warning things on a label to look for? I mean, I feel like these days that reading a product label is as complicated as reading a food label. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, I mean, reading, learning to read product labels, I would say is as necessary as learning to read your food labels. Like if you want to take control over your nutrition, 
you, at some point in time, you have to learn, you have to start learning how to read a food label. Right. If you, you want to take control over your self care in this way, um, you do have to start learning to, to read product labels. And I think, um, a couple of the ground things to, to think about, um, is when you flip over a label and you look at the different ingredients that are there, you actually really want to pay attention to what the top like three to five ingredients are on that label. All right. That's like food. Because like food, it's the bulk of what's in the product, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's very interesting. Sometimes you'll find that something that is, let's say, like an apricot product, like there is no apricot anywhere to be found in that product. Um, so there are some things that are like, you know, being able to look at your label to understand a little bit more about what's going on, not ne- not just necessarily reading what the, the marketing team has put on the front of that bottle for you mm-hmm. to say like, it will Britain and it features this ingredient. That's usually what you're going to find there, but you find a lot more of a story when you, when you can look at an ingredient label. Right. Just like food. Um, <laughs> just like food. Yes. Um, in terms of these specific types of ingredients that we're avoiding for known skin irritants, um, artificial, uh, artificial dyes, fragrances, um, you know, sulfates and, uh, fillers. So there are different types of ingredients that essentially work to fatten up a product, um, mm. and they can act like a base of a product. Um, but they don't necessarily do anything for your skin. Uh, they're at best neutral. Some of them are are um, problematic. They're either irritating to the skin or can interrupt hormones. Um, and you'll find that nothing that we have in our collection is is using a filler or a base that isn't truly giving something, that isn't actually therapeutic ingredients. So, um, it, you know, Things that are based with aloe, with water, with coconut water, with, um, you know, wonderful seed oils or butters, things that your skin can actually recognize and do something with mm-hmm. um, and that aren't going to have an adverse effect on your skin. So things that we can recognize too. I mean, you say our skin can recognize it, but it sounds like everything you just listed, coconut water, sesame oil, aloe, these are things that we know, even with my negligible knowledge of skincare, um, I know that those are ingredients that I would put on my face. So are you saying essentially when we're reading a label to look for the first few ingredients, make sure they're things that, you know, we want to be putting in our face and on our bodies? Yeah. And to clarify there, and I think it's important clarification, just because you don't recognize a word or just because a word looks very sciencey does not mean by any means that you should be afraid of it. In fact, oftentimes plants are listed by scientific name um, oh. and and fruits are listed by scientific name. So, you know, this is something and we try to take the work out of this for you so you don't have to go doing all of this. Yeah, but, that sounds um, complicated. It's a, it is it, it can be um if if it's not the thing you do day in and day out that's kind of why we say like just come here we'll help you figure it out because yeah. we literally do this all day yeah um but uh you know at least if it's something that you don't recognize you don't understand maybe that's a quick quick little search to understand like oh what is that what is that ingredient do I yeah. want it on my skin that's fair um uh, and and just being aware of it, being mindful of it. And there are, there are resources out there, um, Heyday hopefully being a very easy to find one that we're, we're curating in this way for you. Right. Um, so that you can know that 
your the products that you're putting onto your skin um, are truly kind of potent, therapeutic, clean products. Even if they contain synthetic ingredients, ingredients that come from a lab, which is perfectly fine, and there are certain advantages to those ingredients. Um, even then, um, you know, there are clean, cleaner versions. Right. I read an article where you said the coolest thing ever. Um, and this, I read this before we spoke today. So now it makes so much sense that this is something you would say. But you said that, um, <laughs> quote, I remember making a conscious decision to start talking to clients about skin as a character and divorce it from the self. By treating it as a separate living thing, literally like a puppy, I get people, you get people, to start thinking about skin as something to teach, to train, to learn from to watch change, and to take care of with the daily rituals it needs and deserves. That is so cool. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's very important times, especially, uh, you know, that I start, the genesis of that for me was particularly when I was dealing with clients who had gone through a lot of struggle with their skin and perhaps had, had been trying a lot of different things for time and had, had reached a point where they felt really frustrated or very discouraged um, about what was going on with their skin. And, and it, it starts to open into a territory of feeling frustrated and discouraged about oneself, like at a very, very poor level, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's a really hard place to be. And it's also very difficult if you, if you can't take a step back and insert a little self-love there. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really difficult to make the progress that, that you want to make. And it can be so much uh, more fun of a journey and so much more rewarding and so much easier, I think, um, if we can start to interact with our skin to get it to the place that we want to be um, in a way that kind of just separates out this, this sense, any, any sense that my skin is behaving this way because I am broken in some way. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but that is something that, you know, it's a, that's a very intimate, like, uh, kind of, kind of thing to bring up, but yeah. the, those are some of the f- feelings that people experience when they, when they have skin issues. It, it's, it affects people very deeply. Mm. And so when you are able to kind of personify the skin, um, and, and create that little bit of healthy, um, separation and, you know, personify the skin in a way that's like it's a puppy let's take care of it let's get excited about it let's be good to it yeah um that kind of makes it a lot easier to then start start doing that to start being good to your skin and then it's funny because when you think about it that way because it is connected to you it then gets a little bit easier to be like oh well i should take care of me and the same positive messages um in in the same way that you may have had negative self-talk um, coming through around your skin concerns, you can actually start to have very positive, empowering, and self-love building self-talk coming through. Um, wow. Skin. Full circle with the self-love, the skin. The, I mean, it's true. I think, yeah, we, we have to give our skin self-love. We have to love ourselves. We, when we love ourselves, we'll love our skin. When our skin's good, we'll love ourselves. <laughs> it's this whole thing. It's it's beautiful <laughs> from head to toe, <laughs> in and out. <laughs> so I have just a few last final, you know, um, 
what is the word? Like rapid fire questions for you, if that's okay. 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 Yeah. How often is appropriate for people to get facials? How often is appropriate? The golden rule is about once a month, um, every, I would say, 20, 26 to 30 days. And that is based upon, um, once again, just hard science. So your skin cells, when you are, let's say, in your mid-20s, um, they are renewing and they're on this nice, tight, healthy cycle and they're shedding and renewing about once a month. By working on a monthly basis with your skin, you are not only helping to keep that cycle running nice and smooth and strong because it slows down dramatically as you age, but having facials helps to keep it steady um, and keep it behaving like young skin. But it also allows you to get the maximum treatment to fresh new skin each month. Love it. That's great. So like like your monthly period, you should get a monthly facial. (laughs) It's very, very moon cycling. At the Um, same time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that said, yeah, your skin, your skin actually does follow. Like, you know, okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's um, a no other conversation. <laughs> I won't be so esoteric. That's another conversation. Maybe another an podcast, esoteric esthetician. Uh, <laughs> esthetician. Esthetician. You, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can do it more often. And sometimes, depending on what you're trying to do, you might actually, your therapist might actually say, like, we're going to go we want to do some closer treatments to start mm-hmm. where you come in for like a little sprint of every, you know, every 10 days or every two weeks for a little period just to get your skin to where it needs to be. And then you move, you know, back down to a, a more monthly cycle. All right. I like that. That's helpful. Now, speaking of periods, should guys get facials too? <laughs> or the lack thereof Absolutely. periods? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know what? Skin is skin. Skin is like so, it's such a universal unifying thing. Everybody has it. It doesn't matter you're a girl or a guy or young (laughs) or old or what shade your skin is, you have skin. And it is an organ that's going to be interacting with your human body in a pretty specific set of ways with some slight variances, certainly person to person. Um, but, But everybody has skin. And everybody's skin deserves to be taken care of. And we see male clients for facials all the time. That's good. Uh, yeah. Good for those guys. Yeah, get in good there. It must get weird with the beard. Is that is that strange to like work uh, on a guy with a beard? No, not really. You just avoid I, it? I think, well, we might work around it depending on the gentleman's preference or the beard itself. But we actually have a beard therapy um, oh. that's designed for, um, for our bearded clients wow. so that we can actually get in there and help to treat the skin that is hiding down below the beard. That's a hoot. Up too. Yeah, I'm sure it's crazy in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. Okay. Now another question so, is what about putting sunglasses on your face or like a cell phone? Like I get so grossed out holding my cell phone up against my face. Do you have any tips about what to do about that? And is it really as gross as like I think it is? It is definitely as gross as you think it is. And my tip, my top suggestion would be, um, you know, get get a headset, you know, just like Uh earphones with a microphone as much as you can. Don't actually put your phone to your face. Okay. Um, But you should be regularly kind of wiping it down. And there are so many like handy little like screen wipes out there now, Mm. Um, or even just, you know, in a pinch on a 
on a, on a towel, a little gentle soap and water, but um, really uh, like an antibacterial screen, screen wipe is probably better. Our, our phones harbor um, a pretty remarkable amount of bacteria Ugh, yeah. and, um, you know, pressing phones to the face, not changing pillowcases, these reasons oh. alone uh, can be the culprits behind a lot of people's breakouts. So mm. um, that pillowcase thing say, is real. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. Dude. I mean, my yeah. dog will run outside, <laughs> pee in the street, step in his pee, pick up other pee, and then come immediately jump in my bed and somehow come up to my pillow. And then <laughs> yes, I sleep on that, it. Lovely. That can happen. And it's a good thing to think about. Yeah. It's um, not that great to think about. <laughs> it's actually awful to think, think about. It's fun to think about. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not a good thing to think about, but an important thing to yes. think about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but okay. I would say, honestly, with the phone, just not putting it to your face. Yeah. If, if, you, can, yeah. if you can avoid it. Yeah. Um, same thing point. goes for like not holding holding your face. The less you can touch your face or have things touching your face that maybe have been touching a lot of other things, the better. Okay. So just <laughs> back off the face. <laughs> All right. What, what about washing your face in the shower? Yay or nay? Um, Why do people say nay? So many people say nay. Well, I say yay and there there are just some rules around it. So I say yay to washing your face in the shower, A, because if you want to build a habit, if, if in the same way that let's say you might, if you were learning to take your vitamins and you made yourself coffee every morning, you might put your bottle of vitamins there by your coffee so mm-hmm. you don't forget it. Right. Um, for a lot of people, being able to have their cleanser in the shower, it's part of their routine and it helps them to remember it. Yeah. I'm the one, one of those people. <laughs> yeah. So the only rule is it needs to be the last thing you do before you step out of the shower. Okay. Because it wipes off so, like the excess shampoo and conditioner and stuff. Well, yeah. And also so that you are not, if you cleanse your face in the shower and then you, you know, and then your shampoo and your conditioner and all things are running down, your face is not clean. Mm. And I think that that is one reason that people might say, you know, not so much, wash your face at the sink, let the shower be the shower. Um, but I personally, I, I, I personally am a shower face cleanser and it's just, it has to be the, the last step. Um, so that you, once again, are not uncleaning your face yeah. before you go to the shower. <laughs> okay. Super easy. That's really easy. Thank you for saying yay to that because I feel like I've been doing that because of what you said. It's easy and it makes helps me remember, but I'm always a little guilty because I've like read articles. It's like, don't clean your face in the shower. So I'm like, just feel like a rebel every time I do it. So I'm glad I'm not a rebel. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you clean your hands before you use your cleanser on your hands and make it the last thing that you do. Okay. Follow those rules. Then you're A-okay. All right. Yes. What is one non-negotiable skincare ritual that you have? Is that a weird question? One non-negotiable skincare ritual. That's a lot of words. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking through it. I mean, my first automatic answer is SPF. Oh, okay. <laughs> Full circle. Yes. Staying on brand. Um, and cleansing my face every night. Um, oh, okay. I do not go to sleep with a dirty face. And you know what? It's also as a ritual, um, and I encourage clients to do this too, like taking kind of a minute when for yourself, even cleansing your face takes a minute and 30 seconds. Um, I like to extend it out to like 
two minutes, maybe, maybe even three, if I'm going crazy, um, I've really just like massaging it in, like really letting myself breathe. And I like, I'm thinking about like, I'm just letting go of the day. I'm like cleansing oh, away the day. That's deep. And just taking that like extra 30 seconds to do a thing I would be doing anyway. Um, yeah it becomes this little ending point and I feel like I can like relax a little better and get a little better sleep. Yeah. That sounds lovely. I'm going to try that. Give myself what I thought was a facial. <laughs> a <little> face <laughs> massage. <laughs> Just like take a minute to like massage, to like let it feel yeah. good. Smell you whatever it is. Yeah. Just like let go of the day. I love it. That's a great idea. So finally, how can we hook up with Heyday? I mean, you now have locations in Nomad, Upper East Side, and Tribeca. Are you planning on any more locations? Ah, uh, yes, TBD? we are. Oh. TBD, but you might want to be on the lookout uh, later this year. We will be, uh, you'll, you'll be seeing a little bit more movement and growth from Heyday here in New York. Very cool. Are you ever going to try to leave New York, venture out? The, the plan is, yes, the plan would be that um, we would build a, a great thriving community here and maybe see if that, um, if that can translate just as well for some other cities that would love to take care of their skin. Yeah, it'll definitely translate well. And the thing is that not all my listeners are in New York City. I mean, most people are not, but a lot of people visit New York. And I honestly feel like it's worth getting a facial at Heyday if you're just coming in for a little trip because... It is so easy. You just go online. You have a million times, multiple locations. Just book a freaking facial. 30 minutes, 50 minutes, or you can do 75, right? But I mean, just 50 mm -hmm. is perfect. And um, people could just do it when they're coming in to see a Broadway show, right? Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's designed to be something that you can do on a regular basis, but by no means are you, is it a something that you can't do experience once or twice and get so much out of. Yeah. And I've been told that if people hear this podcast and book a facial and tell them or use coupon code or something, party in my plants, they'll get a little surprise something or other during their facial. So that's a fun a perk. treat. A little we surprise. <laughs> cool. So <laughs> With that, I mean, it's kind of obvious where everyone should go, right? Thinkheyday.com and Heyday's – is it Heyday on Instagram or Think Heyday? Think Heyday. Think yeah. Heyday Thinkheyday.com and Think Heyday on Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so incredibly much. This was way more fun than I could have predicted talking about skincare could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I hope you're feeling like from now on, just like a day without eating plants is whack and something you'd never want to do. A day without SPF is whack and also something you never want to do. SPF for the W-I-N-B-A-B-Y. If there's anyone else that you know who would enjoy this charming lecture on the importance of taking care of their skin, please share this episode with them. And as always, for the biggest points from this chat, info on how to get the best facial on NYC, and so much more that makes healthy living actually something you enjoy living, head to partyinmyplants.com slash 42.